they're awesome. Uh, well, this morning is the seventh session, seventh session on It's Time to Enter the Promised Land. And if you missed any of these messages, you can listen to them on our Anchor podcast. And I also place them on the Upper Rooms Facebook page, mine, and also Touch Me page. So I'd like to encourage you, everyone, to like and share the podcast from Facebook. Well, it's just like our father to surprise the devil and foil his plans so God would bring forth his plan that Satan couldn't thwart. Now, Job 42.2 says, I know you can do all things and no purpose of yours can be thwarted. In other words, can't stop it. Once God has a plan, that's it. Satan cannot stop it. He tries to but he cannot. And sometimes it looks like our situation is never going to change. We've prayed, we've cried out, and we have no answers. We see no answers, and yet God is working behind the scenes. So in the last session, I gave you all the promises that God fulfilled, and he fulfilled them pretty quickly, and except one. They have not entered the promised land yet. But they are on the road to their destination in the midst of moving forward and then turning around to camp at the Red Sea. Now think of that. We are moving forward into our destination. May not always look it. May not look like, oh dear, what's going to happen here? I don't know how I'm going to get through. Am I going to be here next week? I don't know. But all I know is that you're in your and heading towards your destination. Now they've journeyed 17 days since they left Egypt, and God is telling them to turn back and camp by the Red Sea. So verse 2 in Exodus 14 says, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp before Pi-Hariath, pronounced be, uh, yeah, between Migdal and the Red Sea, before you shall encamp opposite it by the sea. So he's saying you know what? You're going to go into the wilderness. You're going to get lost in there. No, turn around and come back. And sometimes we have to turn around and come back because we've gone too far and God already knows what's ahead. So he's saying, no, I don't want you doing that. I want you to turn around and come back. And uh, you think about God knew that they were going to be shut up in the wilderness and he wouldn't be able, they wouldn't be able to get out. And so he instructed Moses to have them turn back and camp near the Red Sea. Now I wonder what would have happened if Moses wouldn't have decided that he was going to listen. But you see, I believe God was way ahead of that because God knew that Moses was going to take instructions. God already knows, you know, Moses went through a lot before that. And that's a lot of what happens to us. We go through a lot of testing before God decides, okay, now you're ready for this. Now you're going to go through another testing. Now you're ready for this. And he starts to promote over and over and over again. Well, God orders them to backtrack to the final Red Sea crossing camp beside Migdal, where God used Israel to bait Pharaoh to attack. He was baiting him. Think about that. 
You know, most, uh, Pharaoh has no idea what's going on here, but God is ahead of it. He is ahead of it, and he has already baited Pharaoh to attack. So on day 17, as Israel leaves Etham, they have already traveled approximately 664 miles. Can you see that this is a setup by God? He set them up. He's getting ready to perform a Red Sea miracle before them. And there are times when God gives us instructions that we don't understand and we don't make any sense of it. You ever get instructions from God? It doesn't make any sense, but you follow it. You do what God says. Now, we need to see how God is setting up a trap for our enemies. Satan and his cohorts think they're winning and taking our freedom away from us in this nation. He is speaking to those and using them who are after money and their own power. However, remember, God's power is over the enemy, and he can't do what God doesn't allow. I believe God has allowed this evil to uncover and dig up all the dirt of corruption of all these many years in our nation. And also, he is calling the church to wake up and see who really is in and through us. Many people are not realizing who God really is. They know about him, but they don't know him. And I've been there and done that because I knew about him, but I did not know him. And God is calling us to know him, to have that intimate, personal relationship with him that will bring in the harvest of souls. Why do you think Satan's after the Christians so hard? Because we're the ones that's going to be used to bring in the harvest of souls. We're the ones. And he's getting his bride ready without spot or wrinkle. God knows exactly what was taking place. He knew exactly what was taking place in Pharaoh's heart. And it was a challenge to the Israelites, but it wasn't any challenge to God because he'd already had it worked out. God is so far ahead of us. And if we'd start realizing that, we wouldn't fret or get worried or anxious or any kind of feeling like that because we would say, I trust you, God. You know, just rejoice in the Lord in the midst of everything. For Pharaoh, verse 3 says, For Pharaoh will say of the Israelites, they are entangled in land and wilderness has shut them in. Uh, God's given Moses a word of knowledge. <laughs> He's saying, you know what? I got it. I got it. You don't have to worry, Moses, because I'm ahead of this. This is what's going to happen. I mean, can you imagine hearing all of that before it does when you're in a situation and you're saying, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know where, where to go. And, and God has given you those instructions and saying, you know what? I got it. It's okay. Now, there are many people, and I, and I want to read verse 4. I will harden, make stubborn and strong Pharaoh's heart that he will pursue them, and I will gain honor and glory over Pharaoh and all his host. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, and they did so. Now, there are many people who question this statement. I, God, will harden Pharaoh's heart and those Egyptians that pursue his people. 
Verse 8 says, The Lord made hard and strong the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the Israelites, for they left proudly and defiantly. So we can say it wasn't that they... This, there's two things that we can say. It wasn't that they were hardened by God. They were hardened by their pride and defiant spirit that they had chosen. Or we can simply say... God is sovereign. God decides. And he can harden their hearts because of their choices. It's because of their choices. He wouldn't just go in and harden somebody's heart. It's their choices that they've already made. So he's saying, it's okay, Moses. I've got you covered. I know what they will be thinking, and I've got a miracle for you. Wow. I'm going to fight for you. And all of you, including the Egyptians, will see that I am the Lord. Who do you think is going to win out in all this that's going on in our nation? God. And then many, many, many people, that's going to bring the harvest in. Many, many, many people are going to see this is God. Wow. I want what you have. I want that. Why aren't you worried? Why aren't you fretting? Why aren't you upset? I want what you have. Well, Pharaoh gets word that the Israelites have left and his heart and in his heart and the Egyptians harden and say, what have we done? What have we done? Oh, we lost our slaves. We're going to do all this work. <laughs> no, we lost our slaves. You see... This is a strategy from God to confuse the enemy. And I'm telling you right now, we need to pray for a strategy from God that will confuse the enemy in our nation. And I had that in that declaration that I said this morning. Start thanking God that he's confusing the enemy through a strategy that he has that is way ahead of what the enemy is doing. When Pharaoh drew near, the Israelites looked up, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. Now, if you can picture the Israelites, they've already been under hard slavery. They've had that for years and years and years, and now they've come out, and now there's 17 days that they've been going, and, and day by day by day, and now they've had to turn around and now because they turned around, now here comes the Egyptians. And they said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you treated us this way and brought us out of Egypt? Moses, it's all your fault. <laughs> and you know, a lot of times when God calls somebody to follow him, and lead people, who are they going to blame? The leader. But the leader has to follow God. He has to, they have to follow God. And so what happens to them? They have to die to people's opinions. They have to die to people getting all upset. Their flesh has to die. And in the midst of that, God teaches them many things, as he's called them. So what's happened? Again, the door is open to the familiar spirit of fear. 
that was a scam from the enemy and spoke those words to Moses. They had just witnessed how God brought them out of slavery. Think of that. All the plagues that never touched them. They witnessed that. They witnessed that he defeated the enemy. Had they forgotten that God was with them and had never left them? Had they forgotten how God had protected them from all the plagues placed on the Egyptians? And had they forgotten that they were covered with the blood that caused the death angel to pass over? Sometimes we forget those things, don't we? Think about what God has already done in our life. Remember that. Hold on to that and begin thanking him. And every little thing that you see daily, start thanking him for that. Maybe it's no big deal, but it's a big deal to you. Start thanking him. You see, the door of fear was open to many people during the pandemic. It opened wide. We had never lived in this before and were afraid of the COVID and the government that told us the churches had to shut down. Many churches shut down, but they stayed shut down for months and months. Some I've heard already for a year and some closed totally. Now, who wanted that? The enemy. The enemy wanted that. And so verse 12 says, Did we not tell you in Egypt, let us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Come on, really? Had they forgotten what hard slavery was like already? Moses had to listen to all their grumbling. Poor Moses. I feel bad for Moses. (laughs) Where is their faith in God? Have they let go of all the God's promises? And why was their hope deferred? Why didn't they take hold of their faith in God? They chose to answer the door to a familiar spirit, the spirit of fear, and they let go of their faith. Oh, they were better off in Egypt. Really? Better off in Egypt? Satan always does everything he can do when God is about to do a Red Sea miracle. Think about this. God is about to do a Red Sea miracle in this nation. And Satan is trying everything that he can do to place fear in God's people. And us, we as God's people must stand up and say, no. I am a child of God. You don't belong in my mind. I have the mind of Christ. And you're not going to speak to me. We have to take our stand against the spirit of fear and rise up with faith in our Father who hasn't forgotten us and loves us with an everlasting love and promises never to leave us and never forsake us. But I love what Moses tells the people. Moses told the people, fear not, stand still. That, do you know what that means? Firm, confident, undismayed. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. Not next week, Moses. Today. Today he's going to work that for you. For the Egyptians you have seen today. I mean, can you imagine being the Israelites, 
being Moses and hearing all this and God speaking to you, wouldn't you be ecstatic? (laughs) The Egyptians that you have seen today, you shall never see again. Look, Moses, today is the day. This will be over, done, and finished. God is fighting for us. Years ago, I heard Holy Spirit ask me what the Israelites' greatest enemy was, the Egyptians or the Red Sea. And I was thinking about, okay, what would be worse, drowning in the Red Sea or getting killed by the Egyptians? That was my thought. And you know what the Lord said? He said neither one was. It was the fear was their greatest enemy. Verse 14, the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace and remain at rest. So what does it mean to remain at rest? The Israelites had just been through a grueling, hard, strenuous, stressing slavery. God was teaching them to trust and rely on him and he's in control. Do not fear and stop your complaining about the situation. He was letting them know that they weren't going to have to fight. All they had to do is rest in him, knowing that he was going to take care of it. What do we need to do? We need to rest. We need to trust that God is ahead of this, that he's going to get us through this. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. It's time. It's time. But then he gives Moses another instruction. And he lifts up his rod and stretches out his hand over the sea and divides it. And the Israelites go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. You see, God blew. His breath blew on that sea. He parted that sea. But he used Moses. That tells us something. He uses us. He uses us. And verse 17 says, And I, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall go into the sea after them, and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know and realize that I am the Lord when I have gained honor and glory. What do you think is going to happen here? God's going to gain honor and glory over the enemy. And the angel of God who went before the host of Israel moved and went behind them. I love when he repositions himself. He's got darkness over here for the Egyptians and he's got light over here for the Israelites. Can you imagine? Now, I have heard that the angel of the Lord was Jesus. There's many times that I've heard that. I don't know that for sure. But I do know that he was with God right from the very beginning. So they say, because it says the angel of the Lord instead of angel or angels, that's why it's angel of the Lord is Jesus. Coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel was a cloud and darkness to the Egyptians. They couldn't see anything. It was all dark. And here's the Israelites. They have all this light. What is, what, what are we supposed to have here? 
the light. We have the light inside of us. He is the light within us. And now it's time for the Red Sea miracle. Can you see the Spirit of God getting ready to charge the enemy? Mm-hmm. He's ready. He's ready to charge the enemy. And verse 21 says, Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry ground. Can you imagine how deep that sea was and there was no mud? It was all dry ground. That's, a, I mean, you want to talk about a Red Sea miracle. That is a Red Sea miracle. And so the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Can you imagine walking through? And all this water is on each side of you, way high, and you are walking on dry ground. Come on, didn't they take notice to that? <laughs> oh. Then the Egyptians, all of the Pharaoh's horses, chariots, chased them into the middle of the sea. So now here come the Egyptians. They're ready. Yep, hey, boy, this is open for us. Let's go. But what does God do? He gets watches and makes sure his people are taken care of. They're protected. And he gets them all over there. And now he says, Moses, I got another instruction for you. Put out your staff. Close it up. And now what happens? The Egyptians all drown. Every one of them drowned. The sea rushed all over them. They're in the mud. They're losing their chariots. Their wheels are all over. In fact, I've done some research, and they say that they can still find some pieces in the Red Sea. Wheels, they have found some of those things yet in the Red Sea. What do we see in all this? We see God's perfect timing. God has a perfect timing for everything. And sometimes, you know, we're crying out and we're crying out and saying, Lord, you know, this is my prayer. You know, Lord, aren't you hearing me? And, and God is saying, oh, yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. I'm hearing, but I got a perfect timing. And my perfect timing is not what your timing is. And see, that's the thing that we really got to learn to let go of is that timing. Because we want it right now. We don't want to wait years. We don't want to wait days. We don't want to wait months. And then a lot of times he makes us wait years. But at see in those years, he's developing our character. He's growing us up that we're not little babies on the milk anymore. Now we're in the meat. That's where he wants us. When all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, raise your hand over the sea again, and the waters will rush back. Again, he used Moses. They walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea. Oh, my goodness. Now, think about this. Why would God drown all these Egyptians? They're people. God loves people, right? Why would he drown all the Egyptians? 
The ancient Egyptians worshipped over 1,400 different gods and goddesses in their shrines, temples, and homes. And these were the center of religion for over 3,000 years. So in serving all those idols, what did they do? They opened up the door to demon possession. Now, remember the demons that hollered out when this man, you remember um, he was full of all these demons and Jesus was out there and they're crying, no, you know, uh, are, are you going to torment me? Is, is, it's not t before it's time, before it's time. And what did Jesus do? He's, they said, well, put us in the pigs. They didn't want to go out of the country. They wanted to go into the pigs. But they didn't realize that the pigs were going to jump into the water and they were all going to drown. Jesus did. He was already ahead of it. I believe the message that we really need to grasp is that God is ahead of it. We say that. But do we really believe that he's ahead of everything? Do we really believe that he is our protector? Do we really believe that he is here to help us in every situation? In little things, do we really believe that? Or are we getting so much of our intellect and our own knowledge in the midst of God's wisdom and direction and in the midst of his love that he has for us. You see, this is true for today. We are seeing the evil more rapidly through this earth. It used to be so subtle, but now the devil and his demons are overplaying their hand. Those that are serving other gods and will not repent of the evil in their lives will come to their end. This is why we need to keep praying. We need to keep praying for those that are not saved. I believe people are starting to wake up. And I believe it's going to bring the greatest outpouring of the harvest of souls that we've ever seen. Just as we are seeing the evil accelerate, I believe we're going to see our Father God accelerate breakthroughs in our land. But as Moses was listening to God, we as God's children must listen. We must pray. We must seek his face. We must declare his word and listen to his heart. God, what's on your heart today? I remember the first time I asked him that and he thanked me for it. He thanked me for asking him what was on his heart. Then it broke me, made me weep. Because he's thanking me. And I said, oh, no, God, I'm thanking you. He said, no, I have thanked you. Because not all my children do that. He loves when we go after his heart. And we say, God, what is on your heart today? We need to seek his face every day. And these are things that we can do. We must vote in November according to God's word and his heart for us, our families, our church, and this nation. 
And I believe that we will see God's great work against the demonic forces in our families, our schools, our businesses, and government, and so forth. I believe that we're going to see a great work that God is going to do. And 31, uh, verse 31 says, And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did against the Egyptians. And the people reverently feared the Lord. And we need to do that. Reverently fear. Be in awe of him. Fear him in awe. In awe of him. And they trusted and relied and remained steadfast to the Lord and to his servant, Moses. Now we know that there's things that's going to happen ahead. And they're not going to do what they say they're doing right now. And how many times does that happen? God does a wonderful thing in our life. We're so excited. And now we come to another problem. Do we remember what he did? Are we going to hold on and trust him and rely on him and cling to him in the midst of the battle, in the midst of the pain, the suffering? Amos 5.9 says, Who causes sudden destruction to flash forth upon the strong so that destruction comes upon the fortress? On August 17th, during my time with the Lord, I began to thank God for sudden destruction upon the evil in the United States. And suddenly, this is what I heard the Holy Spirit. I was writing to him, and all of a sudden, he got in there, and he started writing. It's like, oh, my goodness. This is what he said. No longer will they rule with an iron hand, for I will cause destruction to fall upon each and every one of them. There is evil in this camp, and you will see before your very eyes how I separate the good from the evil. This is my land, and they are trespassing on my property. What they are doing to my people will be turned on them. They do not see how close this is, for they think they have won. Evil never wins, for I triumph over all evil. Rejoice, my daughter, for you will see my mighty hand move like no other. My children are under my covering. You are under his covering. Their pride is a stench in my nostrils, and I will remove it, and you will watch this evil fall quickly. And suddenly he gave me a vision, and I've never seen this before, but he gave me a vision of a bull. And smoke was coming out of his nostrils. And as the Spirit of God charged after the evil in the Egyptians, the Spirit of God will charge after the evil in this land. And I encourage you not to let the enemy speak negative words to you that cause you to lose hope. He is listening to our prayers. And at the very end, Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and his rider has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Take a hold of those scriptures. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. 
the Lord is his name. And if we go down to verse 8, it says, With the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The flood stood fixed in a heap. The deep congealed in the heart of the sea. He's a man of war. Oh, yes, he's a God of love. But he is a God of war against the enemy. We need to pray and seek the Lord and declare his word and trust him in the midst of everything. Don't lose hope. Don't allow God, don't allow the enemy to take you down with all this. Don't make a diet of all the news. <laughs> I'm going to say that too. Because I think too much, it's repeat, repeat, repeat. But let me tell you, that's what you do with declarations. That's what you do with God's word. Repeat, repeat, repeat until you finally get it in to your spirit. And when you get it into your spirit, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord inside of us rises up a standard against it. And so, Father, we just thank you and praise you. We thank you, Lord, that we can look at you as a God of love, but also a God of war against the enemy. Because you do love your people. And, Father, we just, um, we ask God that you would search our hearts. And that you would see things inside of us and reveal those areas in us. Reveal those negative words that, that come flying into our mind and we speak them out, Lord. We repent of that. Show us where to repent, Lord. Show us our hearts. Because when we see your heart, Lord, we see ours. And Lord, sometimes it doesn't look very pretty. And so, Lord, we give those things over to you this morning. Search our hearts, oh God. Search our hearts, God, and see those wicked ways that are inside of us and lead us into the way everlasting and see those negatives, words and thoughts that we have inside, Lord, and forgive us, oh God. Thank you, Father, that you are a rear guard to protect us, that the angel of the Lord is encamped around us, that you have pitched a tent and you are resting with us. And thank you, Lord, that you already have walked our journey. We don't have to fret. We don't have to worry because you've already walked it. And so we thank you. But most of all, we thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross. For taking our place. And for uniting us with Father God and you and Holy Spirit. Thank you that you are within us. We speak favor upon favor, blessings upon blessings, mercy upon mercy, and grace upon grace. In Jesus' name, God loves you, and so do we.